morning, everybody. Great to see you all, and those of you who are watching online as well. Uh, so today, uh, we're going to do a couple of things um, during the, the sermon time. We're not going to get into the Bible right away. Uh, we are drawing our blessed campaign that we launched in the fall of 2020 to a close at the end of this month. And so it, uh, it basically covered three f uh, fiscal type of years or calendar years. Um, and so want to want to just think back, celebrate a little bit some of the things that have happened uh, since that uh, since we launched that campaign, some of the things that we were able to do because of your generosity, and uh, and then and then we're going to go back, in a sense, to the series that we were doing at that time, and talk about one aspect of that, and introduce a new common practice for us uh, to. Uh, to do as a community through our small groups. All right, so that's where, that's where we're going today. Um, and so we did launch the campaign in the fall of 2020. And if you remember, 2000, anybody remember 2020? It was, <laughs> it was in March that everything shut down. And it was probably in about July, maybe a little earlier, that we decided to launch a campaign. And it was not an easy decision. It was like, uh, we just were like, no, we're, we're not going to, there's so much uncertainty, but we're not, we're not going to wait until things feel more certain. And you, you might remember we talked a lot, a lot about that. We had a bigger campaign planned. Uh, we shrunk it down significantly. Uh, but there were some things that really needed, we needed to get to, and we were able to get to them. One of the things is we saw, you know, empty fields around us. And we knew that they were filling up, and we keep seeing houses coming in and more and more people moving in. And we keep asking the question, what if people... I mean, at that time, remember, we, were, we had maybe one-third of the chairs out of here, and everybody was sitting like 17 feet from each other. And it didn't look like we were running out of room, but before all of that had happened, we were running out of room. And uh, in terms of being able, on, on many Sundays during at least one of our services, where it would be very difficult for a family of four to find a place to sit. And uh, so um, we, uh, we said, what if people come? And are we going to be ready for them? And are we going to be able to minister to them? And so we decided to go forward in a, very, in a time of uncertainty with some things that are certain that we can base our lives on. And so some of the things that we raised money for during that, uh, the financial piece of that campaign had to do with the exterior of the building. And you might remember, uh, well, I'll, I'll just show you a couple, couple of pictures. Um, I don't know what this is called. Uh, anybody know what, what is this called? An awning. Okay, we'll call it an awning. You, you can see how it was, and um, the steps coming up were like broken up and all kinds of stuff. And the exterior of the building needed uh, painting. It hadn't been painted since it was built, and it was starting to, to wear out. Um, and it needed it not just for cosmetic purposes, but more than anything for preserving the exterior, the parts that are not uh, made of brick. And so some of the changes you can see as you come in, uh, and then the rest of the building was painted. All the parts that were not brick were painted as well. So <clears throat> there were also projects inside the building. And so we wanted to make some changes uh, when people first come in to make it a more welcoming atmosphere, as well as uh, use uh, opening things up so that people can see where they need to go. We had a 
uh, a, well, I'll show you in a picture here, this thing here, a guest center that really was turned in the wrong direction and didn't really work for what we were trying to do with welcoming especially new people. The hallway down to the children's wing was like, I don't know, going to prison or something. <laughs> and, uh, and there was a slippery floor that we had to put all these rugs on it all the time. And you can live with those things. Not, it's not really a big, big deal. But we wanted to improve some things. This thing was kind of in the way. And so uh, we made some changes. And uh, if I could have the next slide. Open that up. Uh, put a carpet in there that can take the wear and tear of all the salt and snow and ice and all the things that we bring in. Do I have another picture? Yeah, there we go. Okay, no longer prison. <laughs> uh, looks a little, a little bit better. Um, so the other thing was the gym, that uh, the acoustics were terrible in there anytime we had an event. Uh, if you have just a little bit of difficulty hearing, <laughs> you had no idea what was being said. Uh, if you wanted to see something on a screen, you had to turn off all the lights because the lighting wasn't proper for doing events in there. We knew that our youth ministry was growing by leaps and bounds uh, because during COVID it did grow by leaps and bounds. And we knew we might need to use this room for middle school ministry uh, or for our youth ministry. And so we made some changes uh, to that room. Let's see if we got uh, another picture. And now middle school is in there uh, uh, every week. On Wednesday nights, the high school meets in here a little earlier, but they overlap in their ministries. And I think we've got another, another picture as well there, some better, better lighting that we don't have to turn, turn off all the lights and people stand in the dark leading music or, or speaking or that sort of thing. Um, so it's been great, and it's great for other, for women's ministry, men's ministry, uh, dinners that we might have in there, we have had in there, that, that kind of a thing. Uh, our parking lot's going to be... Uh, redone this year. We're waiting until they do because we're, we're partnering with the development just to our north. And so uh, we're, we're waiting until they get to the point where they're putting in roads and all that sort of thing. And then we're going to be redoing our entire parking lot. That, that alone is over $300,000 because we're taking it down uh, all the way and kind of restarting or almost all the way. Uh, we reduced debt because of the BLESS campaign we paid off a $300,000 debt note that we had. Uh, we funded some major maintenance projects. It's not really exciting things to talk about, HVACs and that sort of thing, but we were able to do some of that. And because our general fund has done really well in the last couple of years in terms of we've raised more than we actually spent, and because of that, we've been able to sock away money into our emergency fund into our maintenance fund, and so we're more ready now and continuing to get more ready for those kinds of emergencies that uh, oftentimes come up. And so in addition to the projects that we did here, we always, when we do a campaign, we do projects outside of ourselves, and so um, we have our impact ministry, which is a ministry that takes us outside of ourselves, and we took on several several projects um, to impact our community around here as well as communities around the world. And so we uh, funded global mission trips. Uh, we, we helped fund, uh, we helped with an organization that is working uh, in Ukraine uh, at a time when they needed uh, 
help with the discipling ministry and all that that is going on, continuing to go on. We funded a community outreach project with a church that we're partnering with, St. Paul Fellowship in St. Paul, uh, with Bless, uh, money from Bless. We paid the tuition, tuition scholarship for one boy over at Hope Academy in Minneapolis. Hope, Hope Academy is in the most diverse neighborhood in the United States. And there are a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of crime in that area, a lot of needs, but Hope Academy is a light in the middle of that, and we were able to help a family uh, in that way. Uh, we've given out Bless Our City grants to our small groups, uh, several of those. Uh, you had an example of that over the last couple of weeks with the Union Gospel Mission bags. That was uh, because two small groups got a grant and then did the work, put in the work to make that, that happen. Um, we also, uh, in our continuing relationship and partnership with Woodbury Elementary School, we did several projects there, including gift cards for art, media, PE, music departments, library carts, meal for the staff, all kinds of things like that out of, out of BLESS. Um, you remember, during the pandemic, parents were not allowed to go into the school when school started again, but our mentors were allowed to go into the school and meet with their mentee every, every week. And so that's the kind of relationship that we have with them. We held a trauma training event. Uh, we supported one of our students um, who's now in college, used to be one of our, we, we had as a summer intern, Abby Gunderson, uh, when she went on a mission trip to Thailand. So those are some of the things, I'm sure I missed a few things in there, but so those are some of the things that, that we were able to do. And so as we look to the future, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that, um, this development right here, which when we started this, had not even really started, I don't, I don't think. Maybe they'd torn down the houses, but I'm not even sure they'd torn, no, they hadn't even torn down the houses. And now, in a few months, there are going to be hundreds of people moving in within walking distance of Five Oaks. So time has gone by, and um, a lot of things that seemed uncertain, we're living, you know, there's always uncertainty in life. Uh, there's no predictability to life, but we're living in some of the things that felt so uncertain. Now we're living certain realities that we were thinking about and planning for. So at the end of the month, we close this chapter, this campaign. Uh, we had a, a goal of about $1.4 million to fund all those uh, events, I mean, all those projects. And um, I'm happy to tell you that we have surpassed the goal by a little bit. And, uh, and so we are in a, in a great place for that. So it's been an amazing journey. In fact, as I thought about last night and sharing all this with the congregation last night, it, um, it, I, I have to tell you, it just feels like, um, on the one hand, like I can't really capture the excitement. I hope... I hope you can sense the excitement and the sense of what a journey, what an incredible journey that we've been on. And your generosity has made a huge difference in so many people's lives and going forward in so many people's lives. Um, and, uh, you know, we had, I just want to thank the people that were on the campaign team, our campaign chair, Jay Dorenkamp. We have been blessed as church family. We, we together uh, did this through the power of God 
and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I am just so absolutely thankful for that. So please just join me in prayer for a moment. Father, we thank you for what you have accomplished. We thank you that we are partners with you, that you speak of it in that way in Scripture. We are partners with you in your mission. And I pray, Father, that as we go forward, that we will continue to be good stewards and that we will... um, of what you've given us and that our ministry uh, will be your ministry done in your way for your purposes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now to the sermon, (laughs) which is short, short today. All right. So I don't have a regular uh, full-length sermon. So when we launched the campaign, we always have a spiritual growth aspect to a campaign. It's not just about raising money. It's not even just about raising money to impact people around the world. It's about growing our own hearts closer to God, being on mission for Him, living on mission for Him. And so we, we talked about how we can be more effective at sharing our faith. And so the way that we talked about that is we talked about certain practices we're going to focus, we'll, we'll review what those practices are, and then we'll focus on one and talk about how we together can um, live out that practice together. So we're going to take it up a notch in terms of this practice, this particular practice, and it has to do with prayer. So um, that's, that's where we're going. We're going to uh, want to open your Bibles. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. If you use one of our Bibles in the seat rack in front of you, it's page 1169. And keep your Bible open, please, because I am going to take you on a little tour of Genesis. We're going to go back, and we're going to look at about five, four or five passages in Genesis, and I want you to see it, you know, either on your phone or see it on a Bible page uh, as we go along. Uh, I think it'll have more of an impact on you in that way, unless you're better at just listening and shutting everything down, and that's okay. You can do that as well, but that's what I invite you to do if um, whatever would work best for you. So we're going to pray the prayer of illumination, asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate his word, to empower us to live for him. Please pray this prayer out loud with me. Almighty God, By your Holy Spirit, illumine the sacred page, we pray, that our minds may be open to receive your word, our hearts taught to love it, and our wills strengthened to obey it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we come with so many things on our minds, uh, many hurting, many uh, just physically going through things, um, grieving loss in life, uh, in relationships that are fracturing. We all come with so many things happening in our lives, worries and fears. We know that you can meet us there. We want to experience your presence while we're here together, knowing that your presence goes with us everywhere we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's uh, watch as one of our uh, five oakers reads the passage or follow along with him. Galatians 3, 7 through 9. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced 
the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All right, if you're not really familiar with the Bible, I'll give you a little bit of background there as we go along. But this is in the New Testament, and this is looking back you know, over a thousand years to Abraham and saying the blessings to Abraham are the blessings that God brought to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, are now our blessings as well and our responsibilities as well. So um, that's, that's the big idea in that passage the Apostle Paul wrote. So um, God's greatest promise... I want to talk about that. God's greatest promise is to bless us, to bless his people so that we can bless the world with the message of his love in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the base of this whole bless idea, this bless campaign that we've had, is that God has blessed us so that we would go and bless the nations, the whole world. We get to know God. I don't mean we get to know him better. I mean we, we have the privilege of knowing God. Not comprehensively, there's a lot of mystery there, a lot we can't understand, but we get to know him personally. We get to experience his presence now, a relationship with him now. That's how he speaks about it. That's what the whole, everything the Bible says about reconciliation is about relationship. We have a reconciled relationship with God because of what God has done through Christ. We get to hear from God through his word, um, the Spirit speaks to us and speaks into our lives. We have someone to thank in times of thanksgiving. We have someone to bring our needs in times of needs, when we have needs in our lives. We praise Him. We bring worship to Him. We are going to worship something. All of us worship something. We worship the God who is worthy of praise. But this isn't just for ourselves or for our own family or for our closest friends. This is supposed to be what God has said. It's for the world around us, and it's to the ends of the earth that this is about. He promises to bless us so that we will also bless the world. And so the Paul, Apostle Paul refers to this promise of blessing, to be a blessing, he refers to this promise in the passage in Galatians. Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, is blessed and his descendants are blessed so that they will bless the whole world. And in the passage, I don't know if you notice, but one of the things that it says is that the gospel, we know the gospel in Christ, right? The gospel was announced beforehand to Abraham. The gospel was announced beforehand to Abraham. The gospel didn't originate with Jesus. It didn't originate uh, with the apostles. The gospel originated with God and was announced beforehand to Abraham. So I want you to follow with me in this little tour. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. So the first book of the Bible, chapter 12. And we're going to take a quick tour of all the places where... God speaks of this, this promise, this, this blessing, and this mission that we are now on because we are now, by faith, children of Abraham. So everything that's being said to Abraham and then to his son Isaac, to his grandson Jacob, these are words directed to us. 
now as his people, as, as Paul says, children of Abraham, even though we're Gentiles, we're not Jewish, or, or most of us are Gentile, not Jewish, by descent, we are part of that family and part of these promises. So the first one is the most familiar one. If you've been around here for a while, we, we refer to this quite often. We do in our Story of God course as well. But starting in chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Turn to chapter 18, verse 17. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Turn to chapter 22, verse 17. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All right. Um, turn to chapter 26 and verse 2. Now, this is uh, speaking to Isaac, Abraham's son. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Everything, the land, everything is moving towards this blessing of all the nations on earth. Now turn to chapter 28, and verse 13. Now we are with Jacob. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now, notice again, bless the nations of the earth and God's promise, I will be with you. So when we get to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, to what is known as the Great Commission, 
it's all connected, it's all hyperlinked to all these passages and more that we've been reading just now, that we've been looking at. And so we get to Matthew chapter 28, Jesus after his resurrection tells the disciples to meet him in Galilee at a mountain there, and, uh, and they go. And it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, and still even at that moment, some of the disciples, some of his 11 disciples are doubting him. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the blessing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All hyperlinked back to what we, just, we were just looking at, but giving new orders in a sense, uh, a little bit of a different way of doing it. All of that story throughout the Old Testament leading to this and to what follows from this, and we're a part of that. We are children of Abraham because we've put our faith in God. We've received the promise of blessing. And as his children, we receive the same commission to bless the nations. Jesus says we do that by making new disciples and equipping those new disciples in their life in Christ. All right, ultimately, no better, ultimately, no better blessing than knowing God, being reconciled with Him, experiencing His love and His grace in Christ. And then we get to be part of helping more and more people experience the same thing, be in a relationship with Christ. That's the mission of our church, the mission of every church that follows Christ is to share that blessing. So when we launch the BLESS campaign in that fall of 2020, we did it by introducing, reintroducing, it's not like we never talked about it before, but we built an entire series, the sermon series, around five practices uh, that really mirror what Jesus did and how Jesus ministered and how the early church ministered and what's modeled for us in the New Testament. It's a, it's a way of being a blessing that is not easy but is natural and it's relational it's based on relational practices and so these practices have been developed by some missiologists it's not something we came up with but here they are there is um, there's five practices begin with prayer if you watch jesus and you see his ministry his ministry is bathed with prayer we we sang the song lord i you know how i need you i need you and um and and that was Jesus' stance in life. That's what he would tell his disciples. I'm completely dependent on the Father. I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. And so we begin with prayer. We, uh, with people in our lives who are far from God, everybody, but, but specifically in trying to take that blessing to others, we listen with care. We eat with people who are far from God. We, we basically do life together with them. We serve them in love, and we share our story of how God has changed our life, how we've entered into God's story. Um, and so those, those are the blessed practices. They're simple, not easy to do, but simple, revolutionary. They're based on the example of Jesus and the early church, 
and it permeated the life of the early church. There's a question in your sermon application guide based on Acts chapter 2, and you see these practices in action as the church gathered and scattered and gathered, gathered and scattered, and you see the outcome of that. More and more people were coming into a relationship with Christ. So I want to just share a story that, that I, I read years ago and came to mind as I was preparing this, a story about a uh, guy named John Dixon in a book that I read years ago that he wrote, and he told his own story. And I want to share a little bit of that story with you. Uh, Dixon, by the way, is, is, uh, he does a podcast now called Undeceptions. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It's in your uh, outlines as well or in your sermon application guide. Uh, if you like to listen to podcasts, check it out. It's really um, got some great, great, great stuff in there. So I'm going to read part, it's kind of a long story, I'm going to read parts of it, I'll summarize certain parts, but this is what he writes. He says, one of the relics, he's an Australian, he says, one of the relics of Australia's Christian heritage is the once-a-week scripture lesson offered in many of our state high schools around the country. Usually the person running the lesson would be an elderly volunteer from a local church. I took my chances with these harmless old ladies because non-scripture classes involve doing homework under the supervision of a real teacher. All right, so it gives us his motivation. One of these scripture teachers, Glenda was her name, had the courage one day to invite the entire class to her home for discussions about God. The invitation would have gone unnoticed except that she added, if anyone gets hungry, I'll be making hamburgers, milkshakes, and scones. <laughs> one Friday afternoon, several weeks later, I was sitting on a comfy couch in this woman's home with half a dozen classmates feasting on hamburgers and bracing myself for the God bit. I had never been to church or even had a religious conversation of length, so this was an entirely new experience. I remember thinking at the time that there was nowhere to run. Besides, I'd eaten too much to even get up. <laughs> and so I looked around the room at my friends, all skeptics like me. I was amazed that this woman would open her home and kitchen to us. Some of the lads there were among the worst sinners in our school. One was a drug user and seller. One was the class clown and bully. And one was a petty thief with a string of break and enters to his credit. We returned the next Friday with more of our friends. And the next and the next. In fact, we turned up on this woman's doorstep most Friday afternoons for months. All right, so let's, let's just stop for a moment and think about what she did. She volunteered to go into a high school to do a religion class that everybody was taking. Every, probably just about everybody that was in there was taking because they didn't want to take a real class. All right, so it would be easy, and, uh, and, and that's why they would be there. She extends an invitation to her whole class, to come to her house to talk about God. <laughs> he says, that took a lot of courage. You know, middle-aged woman inviting a bunch of high school students to come to her house to talk about God. And then, of course, she sweetens the deal by offering hamburgers, milkshakes, and scones. And so they go one Friday, and then it becomes a regular thing in their life for months to come, probably for the rest of that school year. So Dixon continues. He said, I could not figure Glenda out. She was wealthy and intelligent 
She, was, uh, she had an exciting social life, married to a leading Australian businessman. Um, what was she thinking, inviting us for a meal and discussion? At no point was this teacher pushy or preachy. Her style was completely relaxed and incredibly generous. When her VCR went missing one day, she, had almost no, uh, she, she said almost made nothing of it, even though she suspected quite reasonably it was one from our group, somebody from our group. For me, her open, flexible, and generous attitude toward us sinners was the doorway into a life of faith. So he uses the word sinners in this story because in the book, before that, he was talking about Jesus, and he would do ministry among those that the religious folks called sinners. All right, so that's why he's using that term, and he's saying we we were like that, and she was like Jesus, um, hanging out, not just with like-minded people, but hanging out with a bunch of hoodlums <laughs> like, uh, like him. And, um, and that, that personifies Jesus' ministry. It says, as we ate and drank and talked, it was clear this was no missionary ploy on her part. She truly cared for us and treated us like friends, or perhaps more accurately, like sons. So I love that. Um, I love it wasn't, a, didn't, it wasn't a ploy that she treated them like sons. And it reminds me of, or I was reminded of, a passage in Thessalonica. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, would go, you read in the book of Acts, and you see it in his letters as well. He would go from city to city. He would find, he would start his work. He would work all day, and then he would find opportunities to share Christ um, during his work day and afterwards, that sort of thing. He worked with leather. And, um, and so uh, when he would do that, as he found people who were willing to be open to the message and would receive the message, he would start a little church in a home. And eventually, sometimes, his influence got really big, and there were a lot of people that did not like what he was doing, and he would get chased out of town. So one of the towns that he went to is Thessalonica. And he started that church, and shortly after starting the church, he was chased out of town. And we have correspondence of his, two different letters that he sent them uh, to, to just encourage them as well as to help them in dealing with some of the problems that they were having in the church. And here's one of the things that he says about that little short stay and relationship that he had with them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 7, he says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know the relationship that he had with people as you read in the book of Acts, and he's going through Ephesus. And when he gets to Ephesus, he, where he had established these various leaders, these elders in the church, and he's saying goodbye to them. And he's saying, there's a good chance I'll never make it back. And he never did make it back, I don't think. And they're all just weeping together because that's the kind of relationship that they had. So Dixon goes on to tell about a night when one of those students that would spend Fridays there, his name was Daniel, got drunk. They were together and got drunk. And um, they were too afraid to take him home because they said the dad was a military type and he was not going to have anything to do with that. And so they, they thought, Glendale will take care of this. And so they show up at Glenda's just before midnight, and she's finishing up a dinner party with a bunch of people, 
and she brings them into the house, and she says, you know, she points to the, to the bedrooms, and she says, you know, go put them in the guest bedroom, and uh, we'll sort this out in the morning. <laughs> Imagine the people at the church, I mean, at the house, seeing these, like, she leaves, and then all of a sudden, all these high school students, one of them drunk, you know, heading, heading to the back. And they said she, when they went the next morning uh, to pick him up, uh, that th there they were having breakfast like, like they were old pals, <laughs> just enjoying breakfast together. So after about six months of scripture classes, he writes, Friday afternoon events and the incident with Daniel, we found ourselves thinking that Jesus was real, that he is inescapable, and that he is powerful. So about six or eight months into it, about five of us became Christians. We really surrendered to Christ's leadership and accepted his mercy. Uh, here are three of them years later, and these three in particular, with Glenda, John Dixon being the one in the middle, um, these three in particular uh, all became Anglican priests. <laughs> uh, so um, they gathered with her one time and got that picture. So this is a story of the blessed practices in action. And I'm certain if, if, if you're like me, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. My mom, um, single-parent home, my mom didn't go to church. Sundays were for sleeping in and recovering from a hard week. And uh, a neighbor friend, new friend, invited me to VBS at his church, Vacation Bible School. I went to VBS, learned about Christ, received Christ. And his family were Glenda's to me. And then I became a Glenda for my mom because I would every once in a while, hey, mom, you want to go to church? Nope, Sundays are for sleeping in <laughs> and getting rest. But she finally came, and it was like, like a homecoming. <laughs> she was just loved and accepted, and she never looked back. Um, it was way better than sleeping in, being with these people that loved her. And then when um, I was in high school, my mom and I were Glenda's to a bunch of my friends. We held a Bible study in our living room. And several of them eventually started going to youth group with me and to church with us. And we were Glenda's to them. One of them uh, went on to be a pastor. And, um, and so that's, that's my story. That's you know, how I came to know Christ. Now, my wife Lois has a little bit of a different story. She grew up in a Christian home. And it was like yeah, that's, that's what you do. You become a Christian. But it wasn't until she was in high school, a junior, that a couple, of, uh, a couple, a young couple in her little small town in South Dakota invited her to a Bible study or somebody else in the Bible study invited her. They had this Bible study and it just kept growing with all these high schoolers. And it's there that she personally put her faith in Christ to follow him. And uh, so that couple were Glenda's to her. And now Lois and I, we get to be Glenda's to a lot of people, and several people on our, on our street we're getting to be Glenda's for as well in our friendship with them. And that's, that's what God has called us to. That's, what, that's the blessed practices in action. So God is calling all of us who are his people to bless the world around us. And it begins with prayer and then a relationship of listening with care and eating and serving. And then the time comes where we share 
our story, our faith story. And we've been blessed so that we will bless. So uh, we've been talking, uh, we've talked in the past about having something like this, a list like this. We're going to be referring it going forward to uh, from here as our bless list of people that are just in your life that you're praying for and that you have it on a list because it helps you remember to actually pray for them and not just pray for the things that are most immediate, you know, immediately in front of you, your concerns. And we want to take it up a notch, as I said, by praying uh, in some ways through at least once a month as small groups, and you'll be hearing about it through your, your small group leaders. And, um, and it's not just praying for those people, it's also praying for us. The Apostle Paul has three instances in his life where it's in your outlines, um, but we're going to skip the slides, uh, but where Paul says to the people he writes to, Pray for me as I share the gospel. One time he says, pray that I will share it boldly. Because he keeps going to prison and getting in a lot of trouble, you know, when he shares it. And beat it, beaten up and all that sort of thing. And he, another time he says, pray that I will present the gospel clearly. And so those are some of the ways that we can pray for each other uh, as well. Dixon uh, kind of wraps up this story in the book by saying that you know, he started his own ministry. He was an uh, Anglican priest, but he started his own parachurch ministry as well. And he's, he says he's, he thought about Glenda many times, and he thought, you know, she, you know, maybe she had some secret sauce, secret formula <laughs> you know, that she used because you know, all these guys at her house and bringing them, uh, so many people came to know Christ. And he said, I wanted, to, I wanted to know what her strategy was. So he went and asked her, What's, what was your strategy? And he says, without batting an eye... She said, prayer. And he said, I was really disappointed. <laughs> but, but she continued, that year, a bunch of us, um, you know, what he described as elderly women from local churches, a bunch of us who taught scripture decided to make it a year of prayer just to plead the Lord of the harvest to do something special. And we did by the end of the year. Excuse me. By the end of the year, there you all were, confessing Jesus. Amen. It's a simple practice, but it's hard to start new habits. <laughs> and so uh, for your own personal habits in your sermon application guide, there's a resource. We did a series on prayer during the lockdown that I have no idea if anybody even participated <laughs> because that's how it was. You know, you, you have stats, but they mean nothing on YouTube and all that sort of thing. Um, but we put together a bunch of prayer tools, and you can go see all of them, but there's a couple in particular that relate to this. And uh, one of the questions for your small group is to go to that site and look at two of the tools, and hopefully it can help you to start that new habit in your life. Um, all right, so we're going to begin our response to God here as we do every week, the third movement of our worship service. So I invite you to take the bread and hear what the Apostle Paul tells us. He says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Scripture tells us that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, help us to proclaim your death, your, your death, not just as we gather together for each other, reminding each other of what you have done for us, but as we leave here, that we would be proclaimers by the way that we live our lives, by the way that we love, by the way that we pray, by the way that we serve, by the way that we spend our time not just with people who are like us, who think like us, agree with us, but that we would be like Jesus, show love to anyone and um, to those who are, especially those who are involved in our lives. Help us to do that by your strength and by your power. Help us to boldly and clearly proclaim your word. And I pray, Father, for anyone here today who has not yet begun a relationship with you by receiving what Jesus did on the cross, your grace offered to us, not anything that we have done, but by what you have done. I pray that they would receive, they would receive it now. They would receive you. They would receive Christ. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.